Warning, this content may contain material that some viewers may find disturbing. Viewer discretion advised. Hello and welcome back to another great episode of Blue Collar Boys. Uh, we're doing this one a little bit different today. We're doing it through Zoom. Uh, as you guys know, we're all college students and I'll be going out of state down in Virginia and Hunter will be at CMCC. We can while we're still here, so there might be some bugs, but we'll try to work through it. We have a pretty good episode today, and I think it'll be a good one for you guys. Before we get started, make sure to check out our website and uh, buy some merch. We've got some really great stuff on there. I uh, highly recommend the dad hat and the white hoodie, those two that I personally have and absolutely love them. There's a lot of good stuff on there, so make sure to check that out. See, my personal favorite just has to be, you know, the blue color boys cut off. You can't really beat that, you know, especially when summertime rolls around. You know, you're trying to show off those guns and you've been working hard all winter. Might as well show them off. Yeah, I got you. It doesn't look bad. I mean, you don't have much for a gun to show off, but it's all good. I mean, you know what? Damn, I'll still take you any day. But, you know, let's, he doesn't let's wear cutoffs right to it. show off guns. He wears the cutoffs to uh, show off his nips. That's it's what easy. He's a little warm, you know. Got yeah, a little nips. Love the nips. Yes, sir. Free the titty. Well, all right, boys. What are we going to touch on first here? All right, because we're the blue collar boys, I think it's only fitting that we talk about some of our best and worst bosses that we've had so far to this point. Who would like to start off? Uh, I'll go ahead and start her off, boys. So I'm going to go off with my best boss. So this is a little different because he's a family member and stuff, but my best boss would have to be my uncle. I mean, Jason, like my father, but I was doing landscaping for about four years and I got paid higher than everyone else. He bought my lunch every day and, you know, it was just a great opportunity to work for him and learn some new things. He was just such a great guy. I, so who's your, who's your worst one? My worst one? Oh, definitely had to be the time when I was working at Dunkin' Donuts. You know, we all don't start off working a blue collar job right off the bat. You know, we work our way up into it. So my first job, at 16 years old, I was working at Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, well, let's just say, as I was doing online school, I was working the 5 a.m. to 2 p.m. shift. You know, I was working with all the ladies, you know, running the morning shift. And about my, my first or second weekend, I was on drive through And our boss didn't, have, and I had no idea how to run anything yet because I was still learning. And I got thrown right in, and it was not good. Like, she just sat out back on her phone never scheduled anyone correctly, never did anything right. Basically, I'm going to say a piece of shit boss. Nice. Love it. Love that for you. Fast food can definitely be tough for sure. I've done, I've done enough fast food in my life, trust me. Yeah. All right, boys, I'll go next. Um, I for sure have to say my worst boss was probably um, I worked at a pizza place for about a year same as hunter i haven't always worked blue collar jobs um but i worked at a pizza place for a year and the manager that always ran the scheduling there it was like a known fact that he always did it drunk which was awesome because when i worked there i was 17 you know you're not allowed to work over like 24 hours or something and my first week there, I was 17, and he had me booked for 38 hours, which oh. is awesome. But 
the funny thing is I worked like two straight weeks at 38 hours and um, I didn't say anything about time or how many hours I was supposed to be working or whatever. And finally they brought it up to me and they were like, uh, Hey, you're not supposed to be working over like 20 hours. And I was like, Oh, okay. Lit. So then my hours got cut in half, but, um, so I'd have to say probably my best boss is either the one I have now or, um, growing up, I used to rake blueberries and the person that basically ran the field was like a, like a second mother to me. Um, I would say she's probably one of the best bosses that I've had. So, uh, those are my two. So whatever you guys have, go for it. I'll go next. Um, like, Everyone, I haven't always been blue collar work. I'd say I have to say that my worst boss that I've ever had was probably when I was working in Waterville at a warehouse. Um, it sucked. They were scheduling. I'd have two weeks worth of work planned out already. And then they'd schedule me for another. They would assign me enough stuff to keep busy for another three weeks after that and have me prioritize stuff that's not due for another month. So that was quite the disaster. And then I think my best boss that I have right now is probably the one at the dealership. She's chill. They're funny. All my coworkers are amazing. And it's a nice place to work. So awesome. We'll shorten to the point. So tag you're at camp. Definitely working with people that you enjoy makes the job a whole lot better. I mean, yeah. regardless of what you're doing, like if you enjoy your coworkers, like that makes life so much more enjoyable. A hundred percent. So I'm going to start off with my worst boss. Uh, this individual was my boss at a, uh, if you guys understood the context, you'd laugh. It was a very shitty job. Um, <laughs> he uh, was not a good person, period. He would belittle his employees and would swear at us and was just an all around not cool dude. Uh, I quit that job after like a month and a half, two months, maybe, which is very out of character for me. I tend to stay at places for a while. Um and I made it clear that the way that he treated me was mostly the reason that I was leaving. Uh, yeah, we still don't fuck with him. Um, but my best boss, on the other hand, was at a restaurant that I worked at. Um, he's a great guy, family friend for a long time. Um, paid me all under the table, which was great. <laughs> um, he uh, used to do some really Watch cool out. stuff for us. He used to do a Thanksgiving box for every single one of his employees so he literally put together an entire Thanksgiving meal for every single one of us. It was like a 10 pound turkey and all the fixings, including dessert and like all that other stuff. It was pretty great. Um, and he'd also give us Christmas bonuses and all that. So it was pretty sweet. Um, definitely the best boss and probably the best job that I've had so far. It was pretty awesome. Oh yeah. I, I so, would have to agree. I've always enjoyed working in restaurants, like with people, you know, I, that's probably one of my best jobs besides the landscaping one. I used to work at, houses of pizzas and i absolutely love them because i was super i'm super close with the owners and i mean they treat you like your family as long as you have a good core group that you're working with i mean you never want to leave so yeah, i mean it's, I would say, space, it's great so i would say it's clear that not all the blue collar boys have been blue collar boys for our entire lives which right. i mean that's a no. given you gotta right. start somewhere exactly like we've all actually maybe you never mind whatever 
Okay, so what's our next point that we're talking about here? All right, so our next one is a top three events that we've been to. This can be anything from concerts to sporting events to social gatherings, whatever that may be. What are your top three? Hunter, start us off. Oh, you're throwing me out here. All right. So I'm, gonna have to say, I'm gonna have to say number one, it was a concert. It was out in Salt Lake City, Utah. Actually, sorry, West Valley, Utah. And it was on an amphitheater, which is outside. You had the mountains in the background, perfect setting, six o'clock at night. You had this is the lineup. You had Dan and Shay leading it off. You had Morgan Wallen, then you have four Georgia line ending the night. Country concert, you know, me and a couple of my buddies went. One of the best concerts I've ever been to, hands down. That's a hell of a lineup for sure. I mean, when I when I saw Morgan Wallen for the first time, like I was never really into him as much, but then I got hooked. And I've always liked Fortress Line growing up. And I mean, you couldn't beat the ticket price. It was like $64 for a ticket. What? And then and then my buddy, his dad, he's from Nashville. His dad actually works at the same label that um, Dan and Shay work at. So we actually got to upgrade our tickets to all the way to the pit. And so no we, were there, we were 15 feet away from the stage. And Florida Georgia Lions walking out in the middle of the pit. No shit. Yeah. I actually have a guitar pick that they were throwing out uh, somewhere, somewhere in my room. Nice. That's awesome. So Sonk, that's your number one. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I would have to say that probably hmm, we're doing top three events, right? Yeah. Correct. Oh god, I have to think about how to order these now. I got um, I got mine if you want to wait a sec. Yeah, I go for it. All right. So <clears throat> my top event is gonna have to be a few years ago. I went to game one, round two, Boston Bruins versus Montreal Canadiens. That rivalry game rivalry game. Rivalry. Rivalry That's game classic. in That's the Yoffs. And that went to second overtime. Let me tell you, there is nothing better than that atmosphere, dude. That place was loud. You felt it in your chest. And the only reason I wasn't able to stay is because we had to hit the train. Otherwise, we would have missed the train for the game. We sit down on the train. I would have missed the train. As the train is leaving the station, uh, Montreal scored. So pissed. All right. So I'm going to say my number three event that I've ever been to, it's probably um, got to be – the Philadelphia Phillies game that I went to, that was on the day that they had the, not memorial, but it was like a game in memory of Roy Holiday. And this was oh. probably, oh God, that was probably 2018. Um, but it was, they honored him like before the game. And um, I would say that's probably my number three. Because it's not a Red Sox game. Red Sox games are always going to be my favorite. So, all right, Cam, it's your turn. So, Dunk's the one weirdo going in reverse order. All right. Uh (laughs) 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 My, excuse me. (coughs) Jeez, I'm sorry, guys. Um, My number one is probably the J. Cole concert that I went to. Uh, I saw it at the Boston Garden. 
Uh, it was actually my first event that I've been to in the garden, so that was pretty sweet. My brother and I went down for my, I want to say 17th birthday, and we stayed with my cousin who lives in, lived in Cambridge. She doesn't anymore, but uh, it was sweet. It had almost the entire Dreamville label there. It was J. Cole, J.I.D., Ari Lennox, Earth Gang, Boss. I think there was one more, too, that I'm forgetting, but it was a sick concert. place was packed. It was nuts. And I'm a huge J. Cole fan, which if you guys listen back to previous episodes, I've touched on that a few times. You guys that go absolutely love him. But yeah, Hunt, what's your number two? Um, let's see here. I'm probably gonna have to go with the, my first Bruins game. I'm gonna start this out with a little story. It was a, it was a cold winter morning, December 25th, <laughs> 2010. I was nine years old, and I wake up. And it's Christmas time. I go downstairs, and it's the last gift. Seven, six, nine, nine tickets to the Boston Bruins versus Detroit Red Wings game. My brother's a huge Red Wings fan before he was a Penguins fan. And so we sat four rows back from the glass on the side where the Bruins shoot twice. And that was probably my favorite game I've ever been to. I won, I was on the Jumbotron twice. I saw the Bruins girls, got photos with them, got tons of merch. It was an unbelievable moment. That's awesome, bro. So, oh, not, or 2010 or 09, you said? 2010, I was nine years old. So that was like Pavel Datsuk and all those guys, right, for Detroit? Yeah, that, was, that was Pavel Datsuk. That was... Um, Nicholas Cronwall, that was Henrik Zetterberg, you know, the, the original guys. That's sick. Diener, what you got, buddy? All right, for number two, I'm going to, like, low-key compete with Hunter's mosh, uh, mosh pit area. Uh, a few years back, Logic, NF, and Kyle all came to Maine. I'm sure you guys heard about this, but I got tickets to that. It was me, Grady, who we've all seen on the episodes before. Uh, Tyler Dunn went with us, and so did Cam Blakesley. And I'm still when we went, because I never got to go. Weren't you in Buddy gave away no. my ticket. No, Buddy gave away my ticket. Oh, yeah. You had something else that came up. Did you have Bruins tickets? No, I had, like, hockey. <laughs> oh, shit. That's right. So, anyways. Uh, we bought the tickets way in advance. When we get there, there's a booth to upgrade to the mosh pit for like 20 bucks. So we're like, uh, yeah, we're doing it. And that was hype because we were like Hunter was at, with the Florida Georgia line thing. They were like 15 yards away. We were 15 yards away from the mosh pit roughly. And that was just a really hype concert to go to. Uh, that was the first one I'd been to by myself. Like no parents with me. Amazing trip. Highly recommend it, and it was just a really good concert itself. It was put on amazing, and the atmosphere was outstanding as well. I feel like I, everybody from Central Maine was at that concert, too. I mean, I wasn't, but, like, I feel like that night, like, everybody had it on their stories and stuff. Like, it was wild. Like, 95% of humanity from Central Maine was there. Yeah. Can we just say this one thing? If you go to a concert, I do not want to see the entire concert on your social media. Basically. Don't, don't be a basic white bitch is what you're saying. You can yes. do like five or six snaps, but not an hour's worth of shit. Yeah, even exactly. five and even five or six is still pushing it. Like maybe like put like your favorite song or something, and just say, "Hey, I'm at the concert." That's it. Yeah, that's three minutes worth. That's still twelve snaps. Yeah, word. Okay. Um. <laughs> so my number three is nope. My number two 
is going to have to be, I think it was 2015. I went to, hi, Grandma D. Hi, Grandma D. <laughs> I, uh, so 2015, I went to, I want to say the Red Sox were in the ALDS. And I went to game six or seven of that series. And that game went into, I want to say, like the 14th inning. So, you know, 15-year-old me, it was a school night. Um, I had to wake up early as hell for school. And we didn't even get home until like 2 o'clock in the morning because the game went until the 15th inning. Um, luckily the Red Sox won. So I got to go back to school the next day and be like, yo, what's up? I was there last night. Um, but I'd say that's my number two. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so, all right, Hunter, what is your number three? Um, it's actually one of like the most recent one. It was the last time actually when Duncan and I went to my first Red Sox game. Let's go. I'm part of it this, was, baby. It was a Father's Day gift for my father and my grandfather, and we had went. It was my first time going to Fenway, and it was just an unreal experience. I'm a Blue Jays fan. You know, the Blue Jays came out hot, beat the Sox, couldn't ask for a better day. I got told to let fuck me, off four times. Before you continue, I think you skipped Cam. Oh, did he we... did, but it's okay. I'll go out. Oh, there. shit, Cam. <laughs> fuck. God Yo, damn Hunter, it. Finish. Hunter, finish yours, bro. I'll do it after. I'm not worried about it. All right. So as I was saying, you know, as a Blue Jays fan, great day. I got told to fuck off like five times by the Red Sox, you know. I felt great. You know, I felt like a Yankee for a bit. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I love the Red Sox. I always have grown up watching them. You know, if the, they're not facing the Blue Jays, I'm rooting for them. But the seats that we had, we were dead center, right off to the left-hand side if you're looking from home base. I mean, off the right-hand side if you're looking from home base. And it was just an unreal. Yeah, yeah. You want, you want to say something? Go ahead. Go ahead and say it. If you're okay, say let's, it out loud. let's also just add in here that I'm, I'm going to set the scene for you guys a little bit here. It's Blue Jays at Red Sox. Nick Pavetta's on the mound, and it's the first inning. Bo Bichette hits an absolute ripper right up the middle. No, uh, gets a single out of it. Vladimir Guerrero comes up and hits an absolute jack, and it's a full Red Sox stadium, so like 35,000 people and probably about 26,000 of the odd, uh, 36,000 of them were Red Sox fans. And Hunter's the only person in dead center going, Oh, yeah, Vladdy, the only guy in the entire stadium to be hype at that moment. So Dude, I stood up, took my hat off, started bowing around in the crowd. <laughs> yeah. So that was a fun day. All right, right Cam, Cam, let's go for your number two, and I won't skip you this time. I appreciate it. Uh, if I had to go with my number two, um, I went to a Red Sox-Yankee game at the old Yankee Stadium in the last season that it was operating. Word. Uh, I saw them play on July 4th, which was really cool. And like Hunter said for his hockey game, I was on the Jumbotron a few times. I was on TV on Nesson and stuff. It was pretty sweet. Um, the Sox did end up winning the game. I saw a lot of really cool stuff. Uh, Coco Crisp. Had a couple of diving catches. We saw some home runs by Poppy and Manny. 
Um, and Mikey Lowell hit one out too, who I absolutely adore. Always love Mikey Lowell. Um, the best part of the whole game though, was actually before the game started, uh, Josh Beckett, the year that he won his Cy Young was pitching that day. And, uh, I think it was the year he won his Cy Young. It might've been the year after, but either way, he, uh, my parents, my brother and I were all sitting in third base, like three rows back. We could have literally spit on A-Rod, which we would have. Fuck that dude. But yeah, fuck um, Josh Beckett got done warming up with Jason Veritek and walked over to us. And we were the only Red Sox fans in a sea of Yankee fans. And he walked over, leaned over the first two rows and handed my brother a baseball. And somebody snapped a picture of it. I have a picture in my basement. I'll show you boys next time you come over. But that was pretty sweet. And then a couple innings later, uh, Dustin Pedroia and Julio Lugo got done warming up between innings, and they tossed a ball. My brother caught that too, so I got the Julio Lugo ball, and he got to keep the Josh Beckett ball. It was pretty sweet. Oh yeah. So, so what you're saying is Luke's the better athlete because he catched both balls. I mean, yeah, probably, but everyone knows Luke's a better athlete than I am. <laughs> Just yeah, but you're, you're better at you're better looking, right? No. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Let's All just right. say I got the brains of the operation. I <laughs> definitely okay. did. Right, Dean, Luke's just a up. big meathead. You're number three, bud. All right, my number three. I have to go with, believe it or not, when I went to watch uh, PBR down in Portland a couple years ago, professional bull riding. That was not that. what I thought that was. Dean, not even going to lie. If I saw you at that thing, the first thing I'd think to myself is, why is he here? You do not belong in this type of atmosphere. So backstory behind it. My parents were bored as shit because it's central Maine. Nothing fun happens. They it saw happens. online that professional bull riding was coming to Portland, Maine. And they're like, Hey, that looks cool. We've, and that's always something that my dad would watch like on TV when, we, when I was younger. So we got tickets. We all went, <clears throat> And it was actually a lot of fun. The music was really good. It was really cool to watch. And just seeing just some of the stuff that they can do, it's, it was pretty cool. I don't think – I definitely don't have regrets. And I think I'd do it again, like, if when they come back to Maine. They were back a couple of weeks ago, actually, I think. What? Yeah, my parents went. They said it was awesome. Okay, so here's my question. Where do they do it? Uh, like, at a farm or no, like, like the Civic Center? In the Civic Center. Oh, word. They did yeah. at the Bangor Auditorium this recently. Yeah, I get that because that's a lot bigger than the Civic Center. You yeah, know, they fill yeah. it with a bunch of dirt and then Sick. they bring the bulls in and all that shit. Oh, nice. It's pretty ladies, cool. Ladies, all I'm saying is, ladies, you listen. All I'm saying is, save a horse, ride a cowboy. Let's go. All right, so my number three. Oh, God. What year was I? I was probably, I was probably nine years old. And my grandparents, you thought the egg beater was an excavator? No, I was like four at that time, dude. Um, I was nine years old and my grandparents, the ones that you guys met, um, they took me to the Harlem Globetrotters for my birthday, which at nine years old, I mean, now if I walked into the um, Harlem Globetrotters, you know, as soon as you walk in that they're going to take the dub. Because the other team is just basically the Harlem Globetrotters, but it's not as good. Um, so that was probably probably my best event that I've been to. Just because you know I was nine years old and I had I didn't know any better. I was just like, oh yeah, this green team 
sucks. So, I Cam, I won't forget you this time. What's your number three, buddy? Appreciate it. I'm going a little bit different than you guys. Um, I love Broadway shows, and I always have. And one of the coolest things that I've ever had the opportunity to witness is The Lion King on Broadway. Word. Which sounds pretty basic, like, you know, it's a Disney thing, whatever. But, like, it's honestly one of the coolest things I've ever gotten to watch. Like, the whole way that they, like, did the costumes and makeup and, like, the singing and the two guys that make all the, like, percussionist noises and stuff. Like, it's so fucking cool. Like, even if you're not, like, a musical fan... Like, I highly recommend that if you get the opportunity to see anything on Broadway, but especially The Lion King, because that's, like, the one that everyone sees, I highly recommend it. I mean, it is simply incredible, and your jaw will drop through most of it. It is just surreal to sit there and watch them do all of this stuff and see it up close and personal. I highly recommend it to anybody. I mean, it's it's awe-inspiring. I don't know. I'm going to have to say the same thing about Disney on Ice, so... <laughs> a little bit different <laughs> but <laughs> no but uh my speaking of broadway one of my favorite broadway musicals actually jersey boys jersey boys is a very good one uh, I uh really if like you guys the, don't know what oh, sorry go ahead i really like miss saigon that's probably one of my favorite ones if you guys don't know what jersey boys is if you guys have ever heard of the band uh frankie valley and the four seasons yep. um it's actually it's a story of how they became a band and how they grew up. I mean, one of their most popular songs is December 1963, Oh, What a Night. Great song, if you guys haven't heard it. Oh, what a night. It's turning into a concert. (laughs) What is our next topic, gentlemen? So our next topic is some funny childhood stories that you guys might have something a little different than we usually do like we've talked a little bit about like when we were kids and stuff but we haven't gotten into story times but i'll lead it off um my first concert was the jonas brothers which is pretty awesome um love them still to this day they're back touring again god bless yeah dude but the jonas brothers the jonas brothers were my first concert and I want to say I was in like second or third grade when I went to this concert. It was in Portland, if I remember right. And uh, at the Cumberland County Civic Center. And uh, I ended up falling asleep before they even started their set. So I didn't get to hear them at all when I went to their concert. I fell asleep at the concert, like passed out. Hi, Hunter, what's awesome. yours? Tell us the story, bud. Okay, so... <laughs> This is going to explain a lot about me, so you guys will understand this. I was about two or three years old, and I was at daycare with my brother. And I always look, I, I've always looked up to my brother, and I always thought anything was like the coolest thing. So I started, I found like this Barbie doll, and I started running around down in the basement with all the big boys and girls and everything. And I didn't realize that the sewer cap that they had down there was open like the catch basing and well next thing i know i'm down about five about eight feet down and i hit my head and i'm still holding the barbie doll up and i'm yelling to my brother being like don't worry dude i didn't drop it so i got a major concussion that time that day but never dropped the barbie doll Good boy don't drop the beer all right Gainer, what's yours Tell us a story, bud. Uh, Some good doll security. 
I don't know, dude. I had kind of a boring childhood, to be honest. No word. Well, my parents were our parents. That um, doesn't surprise me in the least bit. Um, <laughs> come back to me. Hi. Right. So, as I told you guys in the hometown episode, if we do one of these episodes, you're going to hear a lot about Josh. And this is where it's coming out, right here. So, none of you guys, uh, Cam actually knows who Josh is, um, and Dean knows, but I don't think Hunter does. Um, but oh, Josh he is, is. I'm sorry, madam. Oh, yeah. Um, Josh is my childhood best friend, and we've done a lot of dumb shit together. I'll say that. Um, and one of our, I guess, one of the things I was thinking about these, trying to think about stories to tell that were funny, I guess. And the one that stuck out in my head was um, the house that I grew up in. We had a big ass field behind us. And this one day me and Josh went down there just to go kind of look around. And um, there was a big puddle in the middle of the field. So we went over and looked and there was a bunch of tadpoles in there. So we were like, oh, we should for sure grab a bunch of these and like try and raise them as pets. So we went back to his house and grabbed a bunch of five gallon buckets. And literally, I think we probably put five, 600 tadpoles in his pool. And like two weeks later, his mom came into his room and was like, uh, you want to explain to me why there's 500 frogs in our pool right now? We were like, Oh uh, yeah, that for sure wasn't us. Um, anyway, long story short, she found out it was us and we had to basically <laughs> go into the pool and grab them all and chuck them out of the pool. So that's my How story. How long did that take? Uh, it was 500 frogs. So about a week. It took a long time, dude. And at that time, the pool like wasn't full. So it was all like not moldy but whatever you want to say yeah it was green as hell so it was kind of gross and really slippery so but i guess that's one story that really stuck out into my head so hunter it's your turn again buddy should we, can we circle back to we're me? gonna go oh, back yeah, to Dean. Fuck me, yeah. never mind <clears throat> jesus so i think the problem this is more of like a feel-good story um i wouldn't really classify it as a childhood story but um um a couple of years ago i was out deer hunting and there was this piebald deer which for those of you that don't know what it is a piebald deer is a deer that has there's some type of genetic mutation that occurs for there to be a lot more white fur on the deer than basically albino they're albino deer basically yeah but this one was spotty and whatnot and we had we actually had two of them out behind my house and I looked at my dad and I'm just like, you know, one day I'm going to get that deer. And that day came around finally. It was about 30 yards from where we were sitting in the stand out back. And I finally got my hands on that piebald. And to this day, I have that fur in my closet at home. You know, that's actually bad luck to shoot a piebald, right? I've heard that. But my dad got a deer a week later. So fuck with me. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I mean, supposedly it's like. I think five years of bad luck. Was supposed I think to have it's seven. Something like that. I think seven's a mirror, though, isn't it? 
I have no idea. It's supposed to be something like that, I think. Where? Well, all right, Hunter. Do you have any more stories? Oh, let's see here. I have tons of stories. It's just I don't know if they're able to be said on this podcast, but you know um, what? I'm going to go with one. I'm going to go with one. So you guys all know Zach. Yeah. He's well, one I don't of my, know him, but yeah, he's my one of my best friends. We've known each other since we were like four or five years old. We spent like 10 years together, like every single day. And we both played on the same team on the Lewiston. And usually every night on the way home, we'd stop and get something to eat. And one night we went through the McDonald's drive-thru. And my Zach like, said, fuck around my mom. And my mom is like, like, you can't, you're not allowed to swear around me. My brother's like 23, he doesn't even swear around her. It's just a respect thing. But she made him get out of the car and start doing push-ups in the middle of the drive-thru at McDonald's. And this guy in front of us came out and started doing push-ups as well. He was the one driving. So we were all having a push-up, push-up competition in the middle of the McDonald's parking lot. While there was eight cars backed up and none of us would give in. So this is going on for like 15 minutes. And... I mean, I'm not saying any push-ups were actually done, like, correctly, but none of us would quit. And then Zach gave up, I gave up, and then I gave up, and then we all looked at each other and started doing squats. And this is still going on. And then the manager of McDonald's came outside and threw a drink at the guy that was, like, leading this in front of us and then told us to exit the premises or we're calling the cops. So we're all still sitting there, and the cops came, and then – Cops coming, we ran in the car and we drove off. And the cops followed us like 15 miles and never pulled us over. Really? Yeah, he just never pulled us over. That's weird. But no, I've never done so many push-ups in my life on that day. Hi, Cammy. You're up, bud. Who's up? You. Oh geez. Um Gosh, I don't know. Um, of course, I get put on the spot. I can't think of something. Jeez. It's not like they have all night, Cam. I know. Somebody come back to me. Somebody else tell one. It's not like you've been waiting for the past 10 minutes. I had a very boring childhood. I can try and think of something, though. Okay, so... Um, oh, I got one. I got one. Go for it. All right. So when I was younger, I always looked up to my brother like Hunter did. I always thought my brother was the coolest shit. And I always wanted to hang out with him and his friends. So one year he had a party. And it was in the wintertime. And of course, we're all from Maine. So there's a lot of snow. Well, him and his buddies wanted to play manhunt. So I was like, oh, word, can I play? Like, you know, I really want to, blah, blah, blah. Naturally, my mom said, yeah, you can go play with Luke and his friends. So I was like, all right, perfect. So go out there and like, all right, like I'm playing with them. We're good. Like I want to play good. So I was on the team that was trying to find people first. So I have a lot of land at my house and we have like four wheeler trails and stuff back there. So that's where everyone went to hide. So I was following these tracks and I was young. I was probably like 10, 11, maybe. And I was following these tracks, following these tracks, following these tracks, thinking I was following somebody. And then all of a sudden I looked up and I had no idea where I was in the woods completely lost started panicking i was gone for like two and a half three hours 
And the whole time, like, trying to trek through the snow, trying to figure out where I am, the whole nine yards. I finally get back to the house. I'm exhausted. I'm crying. I'm scared, whatever. My brother looks at me and goes, bro, it's the middle of winter. Why don't you just turn around and follow your tracks backwards? <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, why didn't I think of that? I felt so stupid. And you got the brands of the operation? It. Yeah, I know, right? I was just about to say something <laughs> about that. You guys really got to do me. <laughs> yeah, we definitely do. All right. So this is another Josh story. Um, so on the road that we lived on, there was a sidewalk alongside the road, you know, like a sidewalk usually is. Um, and we had a neighbor probably four or five houses down the road that had like a big ass elm tree in the front lawn and the it was kind of one of those deals where the grass kind of went up to the tree so there was like a big ass dome at the bottom of the tree um and we would use that as a jump all day all night we would jump that going you know 30 miles an hour on bicycles and this one day uh me and Josh were riding down the road and went to go jump it. And we both went over it one at one right after another. And as soon as we both left the ground, we were like, Oh fuck, we're going way too fast. And on the other side of the driveway where we landed, there's like this long ass, um, I don't even know what to call it, but it's just like a line of bushes and we were going like 40 miles an hour, full tilt like a Peterbilt, straight into the bush. No, we didn't land first at all. So there was no recovering from it. And we just went straight in there one after another and definitely didn't leave that bike crash with no scratches. That one was, <laughs> that one was brutal. All right, Dean, you got anything? Um, yeah, yeah, no. When we were younger, uh, one of my old family friends, they lived out in Benton and they had an old golf cart and this thing, they yoinked out the governor so you could rip on it. And one day we decided it would be fun to play manhunt. To, they, they had too many bikes, like mini dirt bikes or whatever. And they were ripping around the garage on those trying to find people. <clears throat> And someone was in the golf cart as well. Someone almost got nailed by one of the mini bikes. I was in the garage and someone was driving around in the mini bikes or whatever. Uh, all I hear from the dad is, will you fucking slow down? Because they almost hit their dad. And then I moved out to, there's like a little, almost a quarry area. And the guy in the golf cart found me or whatever. And then we were driving around, driving around. Then we decided it was a good idea to fully mat the gas pedal and do a 90 degree turn to the right. <laughs> so my ass in the passenger seat goes flying behind him from through the driver's seat and out into the out into the yard. Almost broke my wrist doing it. So that's pretty much the extent of my excitement of a child. So I have another I, one. Go for it. Uh, so I used to get like my yearly physicals or whatever with my doctor and blah blah blah. And if anybody knows me, they'll know that I have no time for stupid people. They just piss me off, and I'll tell them that. <laughs> so how the hell are you in this podcast? 
I was thinking the same thing, honestly, but I wasn't going to say it. Um, <laughs> but I've always made that clear. I've always been like that since I was little. Well, I was in probably probably fourth or fifth grade, and I went to one, and the doctor was like asking me all kinds of questions, whatever, whatever. And he was like, so Cameron, do you, how would you consider yourself personality-wise? Are you fun? Do you get angry? Like, are you like, what, what's your vibe? Basically is what he was asking. And I was like, no, I'm pretty like fun and easygoing. Like, I like to have a good time. And he's like, well, does anything make you angry? And I looked at him and with a dead straight face, I said, stupid people that ask stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> and me and my mom both just went, uh, okay. <laughs> For someone that's known Cam this long in my life, he cannot stand stupid people. And him and I had both had the same coach, one for different sports, and he was like most, I'm not going to say ignorant, but incompetent person I've ever met in my life. Incompetence a good way to put it. And every, every, oh, this is a child, I'll say, this is a childhood story. I was about 17. It was my junior year. And we, I was on an 0 and 18 hockey team. And I could not stand this coach. All right. Like every day he wanted, like, I'm pretty sure I lost brain cells by just looking at him. And every day after practice, it's like 6 30 a.m. in the morning. I'd, I'd be the first one in the shower. And then he'd come into the locker room and try to talk to the team. And I'd come out of the shower, dripping water and soap all on me, look straight at him right in the eyes, put my leg up on the trash can and start rubbing my nuts and everything. Just look around and be like, sup, coach, making the most awkward eye contact. I did that every day, five months straight. Tried to ruin this man's career just so he could get off this team. And he never would. He would always just stand there and look at me. It was weird. Right, Who's not ducking going right? I have one title for you. And your reaction is going to say it all. And it has to do with the Christmas party. Riley Reed's Christmas special. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> okay. Back to, okay. A little background by that story real quick. So, like I said, we couldn't stand this guy. So, me and the other captains on the team tried to make this guy's life a living hell. And so he took us to Colby College to watch a college practice. And it was around Christmas time. And none of us could stand it. And so we're sitting around and everything, you know. My buddy Sean and I, we both looked at each other and we're like, you want to do it? And he goes, yeah. So I said, hey, coach, uh, you know, since you know, you know, the holidays are around, you know, spirits are high and everything, what's your favorite Christmas movie? He goes, you know, Hunter, that's a great question. I think I'm going to have to go with Home Alone. And out of the blue, Sean goes, Coach, stop lying. You already know it's Riley Reed's Christmas special. And even the players on the ice at like Colby College lost it. That was probably one of my highlights on the childhood, just seeing that man so embarrassed. It was amazing. That's hilarious. I love that. Like, S. Cam can vouch for me here. I tried every day to make him a, his life a living hell. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure Winslow's across team did too. <laughs> We might have done the little things of our own to maybe try and make his life a little harder for sure. Did you ever hear the flying squirrel story that he said? The Ooh. origin of the cross? No, why don't you tell us something? Oh, God. I can't even say it with a straight face, dude. He, one day we're facing Moranica. 
and he comes into the locker room and he puts the origin of the flying squirrel on the wall. And he goes, I want each and every one of you guys to read this before you guys go out there on the ice today. And so I'm reading in everything. And it's basically saying how the flying squirrel never gave up, always tried his hardest no matter what, and how he excelled in lacrosse and everything. And I'm thinking to myself, how the fuck does this apply to hockey? <laughs> and so every ever since that day, every time our coach tried to give a speech, we always just said flying squirrel and he walked out of the locker because you knew how embarrassed he was about that. Oh, jeez. All right. I think that's actually a perfect thing to leave off of because speaking of never giving up, I think it's time that we need to talk a little bit about mental health in this world. Uh, I know, especially in athletics, there's a lot of people out there struggling. One of the most recent incidents that we can touch upon with this is Simone Biles. And what's going on over in Tokyo with gymnastics and her whole situation? I don't know if anyone else wants to take reins here. Cam probably does. He was kind of pushing that hard. Cam was pretty apt about it. So I wanted to touch on the subject a lot because it kind of ties in a lot of the stuff that we talked about on the pod in previous episodes between mental health and athletes and being advocates for one another and all that other good stuff. Um, Simone Biles, if you guys don't know who she is, is an Olympic gymnast from the United States. Uh, She's known as one of the greatest gymnasts of all time. Many will say that she is the greatest of all time. Um, She does stuff that's so dangerous and so technically advanced that the judges don't even have the correct scoring for her. And she actually loses points because she's on a level that's so much higher than all the other gymnasts in the world. Um, She's an incredible athlete and has won multiple gold medals in the Olympics, world trials, all that other good stuff. I mean, she is, she walks the walk. She talks the talk. She is incredible. Um, Recently she pulled out of a lot of her individual uh, events. Sorry. I was drawing a blank there as well as the team all around event um, in the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, This led to a lot of backlash, and she explained that it was because of something that was going on with her mentally, Um, and there was a lot of backlash from this. A lot of people supported her. A lot of people didn't. Um, People were calling her a quitter and saying that she doesn't deserve the title of greatest of all time because she quit on her team. Um, Meanwhile, a lot of other people were very understanding of it and said, you know, take care of your mental health first, blah, 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 blah. Um, Couldn't find out she had a twice. case of what's called the twisties um which is essentially when gymnasts are doing their tricks and stuff they can't tell up from down their body basically betrays them and obviously someone doing things at the level of small miles that can be incredibly dangerous because you never know how you're going to land with the twisties because you don't know which way's up which way's down so you can't have a good landing so she could have landed on her neck on her head on her wrist whatever that may be she could be seriously hurt i mean even people doing gymnastics at a low level can still could get have paralyzed her yeah, yeah exactly Although I have a quick question for you, Cam. Uh, I've heard mixed things. Was it that the judges were judging her? They didn't know how to judge her and they were purposely giving her lower scores because she was so advanced or was it she was doing stuff that wasn't deserving of it? Like she had didn't do the advanced stuff because of the dangers of it, because I've seen both like both headlines for her stories. 
No, 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 no. Simone Biles is doing stuff that's on a whole different level. She has two different floor routine passes that are named after her, a vault that's named after her. Like, she's doing stuff that nobody else has ever done in the history. Like, they didn't know how to score her, and they were giving her lower scores because of it. They're almost penalizing her for being too good. Um, Messed up. Oh, absolutely. Because, like, you're you're there to prove that you're the best in the world. Like, if you're better than everyone, why can't you get the medal for it? Exactly. Therefore, yes, and that's not what we're really talking about here tonight, um, because it is bullshit. And I think everyone can agree with that. What we're really focusing on here is the mental health aspect of it all, and the backlash of it, and whether or not she did the right thing pulling out. And I think, without a doubt, that she absolutely did the right thing. I mean, one, because it was the twisties, she was endangering her own health. So I think that she did the right thing pulling out because I'd rather see the headline being that she's a quitter than that she's paralyzed and is in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. And two, I think you have to prioritize your mental health more than anything. I mean, whether that's the Tokyo Olympics or day-to-day life or whatever else that may be, being able to be a healthy person, both physically and mentally and emotionally is incredibly important. And for anyone to question anybody as to why they need to sit out something because their mental health isn't good is beyond ridiculous in my eyes but i'd love to hear what you guys have to say so um um, oh yeah go ahead all i've seen for like the past week is stuff about like pro athletes backing her and people like if you go on tiktok right now you're gonna see those people that are you know that whole trend where they did the um the Dom Toretto thing where, you know, you mention family and then Dom Toretto pops up on the screen and they're like, Oh, what the hell Dom Toretto. They did that yeah. whole thing with Simone Biles, but it's about quitting. Um, and I think I agree with you, Cam. Um, you know, mental health is like something that you're supposed to take seriously. Um, and if, and like as a pro athlete, if you don't take it seriously, you're just going to end up hurting yourself worse. So I feel as though she did the right thing because basically the entire sports world has been backing her. You know, Jason Tatum backed her. Um, I want to say Pau Gasol said yeah. something on Instagram about, you know, mental health comes first. You, you don't have to worry about sports all the time something along those lines i'm paraphrasing of course so i feel as though she was almost stronger for withdrawing than if she just stuck with it because like you said she could easily injure herself and that's not something that she would want um one thing that i did saw that did saw um glad you caught that i saw Michael Phelps said something about mental health and whatever. And if you ask, he said something about um, how mental health comes first. And he's been dealing with some mental health issues for most of his career. And I don't know how to feel about that. Cause if you ask any, like my sister's husband is a, swimmer well he was a swimmer in high school and I feel like if you asked basically any swimmer or anybody that has anything to do with swimming what they think of Michael Phelps 90% of them are going to say bad stuff mostly because 
of the way he's acted in previous Olympics or he's been caught doing not all that great stuff. Like he's been caught doing some type of drug as far as I can remember. And he was fine with it. Like we talked about Sha'Carri Richardson earlier on the podcast. Um, and if you talk about Michael Phelps to anybody that has, that is seriously into swimming, a lot of them are going to say bad things about Michael Phelps. And I feel like the fact that he kind of chimed in on this was a little bit almost douchebaggish because I feel like he's just playing a card that he doesn't really hold. Um, I don't know if that's correct or whatever, but I don't know. That's, that's my thoughts. So let's hear what Hunter has to say about it. Um, so, um, as I can speak, you know, as an athlete, especially someone who plays such a vital position in my sport, you know, we deal with a lot of mental health issues, you know. I feel so goalies get the brunt of everything, and we all deal with it in a different way. Simone's shoes. If I'm being completely honest, I, if I knew that I was having these issues before I had gone ahead and went to the Olympics, I would have withdrawn. And someone else who's been working their entire life to get to that point to go ahead and start making a name for yourself in that event. Simone Biles has already proved everything to everyone that she can. But there's a point in time where you say, okay, I'm going to take some time, get away from that before the event starts. Because that's giving someone else the opportunity to come ahead and make a name for themselves while you're continuing better yourself. So I understand what you're saying. And to a point, I agree with you. And if she knew before she left that she was having issues and that she might have to sit out, then I agree with you. However, she's on record saying that it didn't start until she was already there. And at that point, there's no way that you can sub in a substitute. Um, yes, I understand that. I was saying if she if she had known. I'm, I wasn't saying if she did, if she didn't. I'm saying if she did, then let someone else. If she didn't, that's totally understandable. But I'm just yeah. saying that if someone does have mental health issues and they're going on and playing the sport or doing their event, especially at the biggest stage in the entire world, the Olympics, take time to yourself and go ahead and get your mental health done. Yeah, I agree with that. Kind of adding on the hunters thing. Uh, wasn't it? It was like late last year before they decided the Tokyo team that she had posted something on Instagram or Twitter. Right. And it said, it felt like she had the weight of the world on her shoulders. And that was like last, it was late last year before anyone gets sent over to Tokyo for this. And that was kind of an early indicator of um, she was having trouble with some of the stuff. Well, that can kind of mean anything. I mean, the world on her, the weight of the world on her shoulders is, it's a very broad caption. You know what I mean? It can mean two, I mean, thousand different things. Yeah. I mean, plus, you have to keep in mind that. Everyone calls her the goat. She's being hyped up and like all this and all that. Like you'd feel a little bit of pressure too to perform at the top of your level if you were in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Like if you felt like your country 
isn't going to succeed and like metal well if you don't do well like that's a lot of pressure like i don't care who you are or what kind of circumstance you're in yeah um so one quick question because i'm not 100 percent sure but didn't she just go through something like horrible with some doctor with like red bag allegations or something could you read that for me um didn't simone biles just go through like a whole rape allegation thing against a doctor yeah she was part of the um oh speaking out against one of the trainers for team usa yeah Yeah, it was uh larry nasser was his name he was the athletic trainer for the olympic gymnastics team and also at michigan state um i actually have a little bit of a story if you guys want to hear it real quick um I worked at Colby College for four or five months uh, doing some COVID testing there this fall. And one of the individuals that I was lucky enough to work with is was working at Colby for a short time. Now she's working at a large Division One university in the Southeastern Conference, the SEC. Um, I got to talking to her one day and she was talking about how she actually played Division One soccer at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Um she was a four-year starter, the whole nine yards, like super cool girl. But before she got into soccer, she was actually an incredible gymnast and was training with Team USA as a, as a young girl. Um, she actually got a back injury while she was there and was supposed to see Larry Nasser to get worked on. And she had a candid conversation with her parents and basically said, I know I'm really good at this, but I just don't want to do gymnastics anymore. So I said, all right, no problem. They pulled her out of the program. She was supposed to have an appointment with Larry Nasser the next day. And that would have been her first appointment really with him one-on-one. Like he had done stuff like stretched out the girls and all that stuff, but she could have been in that room with him type of thing. And then he was her trainer at Michigan state too, which is kind of wild, but she's actually friends with a lot of the girls that were on the last Olympic team and some that are still on this one. And, uh, there's a really good documentary on Netflix. It's called Athlete A, which is really, really good. And I recommend that everybody check that out if they get the opportunity to. It's a uh, very eye-opening and heartbreaking documentary to watch. Right. So I think what I was trying to lead to is, like, I don't know if it's just the twisties or whatever you called them. Mm-hmm. That was the main reason why she backed out. Because... Like, she's been through a lot in the last... I mean, when was that whole thing with Larry? I mean, that had been going on for decades, but... Oh, had um, it? Never mind. Yeah, but... Okay. She, I mean, granted, she's a survivor I, I of sexual... it was, like, last year or some shit. She's also a survivor of sexual assault. Like, regardless of when that happens, it's going to fuck yeah. with you mentally. Right, but, exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, but she also... You can use as a counter-argument to that. Like, she's performed in previous Olympics, even after having him as a trainer, like, blah, blah, blah. Which, obviously, I've made it clear that I'm on Simone Biles' side here don't let my words get twisted but um i think it was definitely the twisties is the reason why she pulled out oh yeah just because like that's legit taking her health into account like if she lands on her neck she could die or be paralyzed like you know what i'm saying like i understand it um i really don't like the people that are um crapping on her calling her a quitter and all that stuff because she literally dropped out for her safety and the U.S. women still got a silver medal out of it. I mean, granted, it's not gold, which she probably would have had if Simone was at the top of her game, but you have to protect your health first. I mean, you have athletes today, like Russell Wilson, for example, he's the quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks that dumps a million dollars a year into his body 
And that's great. And you have guys like TV 12 that have all this other stuff, but I would argue that it's just as, if not more important to take care of your mental health. And I think that that's pretty much what she was doing when she was dropping out. She was taking care of both her physical and her mental health. So just a quick note. Um, I think with the whole mental health thing, um, I think recent athletes have set almost too high of a standard a little bit, because if you look back to like MJ with his flu game or Tom Brady played all of the 2020 season with a torn ACL or MCL, MCL big sorry. difference uh, big for those difference. that, you know, understand the anatomy of a knee, but um, you look back to Kawhi playing in the finals with a sprained finger, you look to, all these people that have played in a big series with either injuries or whatever it be, I think former athletes set too high of a standard. So now people expect every single athlete ever to be able to do that. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but when you talk about those athletes, those are generational athletes that are incredible. And I think that while something like the flu game with Michael Jordan is iconic, it's also the flu. You know what I mean? It's also Kawhi Leonard with a sprained finger. I mean, Tom Brady's MCL is probably the worst that you mentioned out of all of those. And even so, like, that doesn't compare to Simone Biles' potential to snap her neck. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand what you're saying. Like, I get it. And you are right. But I feel like if you're trying to compare the two, it's almost apples and oranges. Yeah. Just because of how great the situation could be if she did get hurt. Hunter's got something to add. Um, so I know a lot of you guys probably don't know who this player is. I kind of spoke on him back in our last mental health episode. It's Robin Lehner. He is a... Robin Lehner? Oh, yeah. Oh, the goalie? Yeah. Yes. So he actually said this quote at the NHL Awards when he was getting his trophy. Because I'm not ashamed to say I'm mentally ill. That doesn't mean I'm mentally weak. He has been very open about all of his mental illness, he has ADHD, he has PTSD, he has stage two bipolar, he has everything you can imagine in the sun. He's tried to commit suicide twice. He's done all these things, but he's always taking time to make sure that he is mentally prepared for when the season comes around and while he's in season as well. And he's actually getting... Uh, reprimanded for coming out with his mental illness because he isn't from the United States. He's actually Swedish. So he has a green card. But the thing is, is that the United, the United States of America does not allow someone with a mental illness to obtain a green card. So he's currently fighting for his life right now to be able to play in the States again because he has a mental illness. And mental illnesses are some things you can't control it. We have it. We have it. It's a matter of what you do to get it fixed and how you approach it. He's been posting on social media that he's very open with. He's very open with everyone about it. And everyone supports him everything. But the country that's supposed to are is putting them down for mental illness. So when people are saying that someone Biles should have left earlier for mental illness part of me agrees and part of me doesn't because part of me is like okay get your mind right get your health correct so like 
make sure you do it when the time is right and not when everything is on the line. I'm with Hunter on this one. It's important to look after yourself, but at the same time, if you can notice it before it's too late, that helps even more because like she, she dropped out when it was very late and there's a part of she's looking out for herself, which I support. I completely support not wanting to endanger yourself any more than you already have. And looking on the other side of things, she's also kind of letting her whole team down, including the whole country. Cause like we were all counting on her, you know, but at the same time, I get, I see both sides of the argument is my point. And Cam to kind of recap what Hunter just said, I don't know how much you caught of that. Uh, he talked, he touched upon Laner of the Knights, the goaltender who's struggling with mental health. He only has his green card. So I guess in the U S if you are on your green card and you have a mental illness, you, I guess, have to, can't live here. Don't you, you don't qualify. No, you don't qualify. Oh, word. Um, I mean, Simone Biles, it's just tough because I don't think that she let the U.S. down no. because for a few reasons. One, all around the team won silver, which yeah. is still incredible. I mean, it's not gold, but still. Team you're talking about still in top. Position. I mean, yeah, like they're a juggernaut. Like every single Olympics and every single world, like all that stuff, they always put out a team that's in contention for a gold. Um, the other thing is an American still won the all around gold yeah. Suni Lee. I think her name is, um, I may be incorrect on that, but I knew it was something like that. Um, so it's not like the U S plummeted because she wasn't competing. Um, they still did great. They still got a silver, which isn't as good as gold, but I mean, like for them to do what they did with four girls instead of five is incredible. Um, I mean, yes, it does suck. And you hope that you can catch it as soon as you can, but, Unfortunately, having a mental illness is like riding a roller coaster with a blindfold on. You never know when the highs are going to come or when the lows are going to go and when you're going to go through a tunnel or when you're going to go up this steep, steep hill. You also I mean, don't know how fast it's going to go. Exactly. I mean, it's you're riding it with a blindfold. You're raw dog in life, basically, to put it in. It could be day terms. to day. It could be exactly. hour to hour. It could be week so, to week, I mean, month to month. I think that for people who don't suffer from mental illness, for them to say, well, as soon as you start feeling like that, you need to tell somebody. Yeah, I mean, I understand that, but as someone who struggled with mental illness, some days you wake up and you just can't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that can hit you without warning. I mean, I can have the best day of my life one day, and the next day I struggle to get out of bed and be social and talk to people. Like, it's it's not that simple, and I don't think that people understand that if they've never experienced it or had someone that they love experience it, that they see de- every single day what it's like. Yeah, for sure. I, I for sure, I don't think she let her team down at all. Um because mental health comes first, but for, she for sure didn't let down the United States. Because if you look at like uh, uh, Cam Dressler, I want to say is his name, the Olympic swimmer that just won eight gold medals Damn. in swimming. And uh, God, I can't remember her name. Katie Ledecky. Yep. She won like six gold medals. Yep. When you have people from the United States that, yes, aren't competing in your area of expertise but they are competing for the united states you don't have to worry when you have people that can go out and get eight gold medals in eight different events you know i mean i think that part of the thing too that people need to realize is that at the end of the day one of the beauties of the olympics is that we're not republicans or democrats or black or white or anything else we're all americans and i think that we need to root for each other um we need to wrap this episode up, but I just want to reiterate to you guys that 
we are advocates. We are here for you guys. Our fans, our DMs are always open. If you guys are dealing with anything, feel free to reach out to us. He wants to wrap it up. And uh, yeah, Dean's going to wrap it up here. To end so it. as we come up on the closing hour of this episode, I ran into a little inspirational quote for everyone out there. And this quote goes, um, on the road to success, you're going to lose a lot of friends. That's why a Lamborghini has two seats and a bus has 50. So let that quote set in. It kind of hits a little different, not going to lie. Again, we are all mental health advocates. Uh, If you guys have any issues, reach out to us, personal social medias, the podcast social media. Doesn't matter if you're struggling, reach out. We can keep it anonymous. Um, We're here for you guys. We are here. We are human. We care. We love everyone. There are people in this world that love you and care about you, and we want to be here for you. But you have to take the first step and reach out to us. Sometimes a talk with a stranger is all you need because they have nothing to base you off of. We have no history, no background, no nothing. So if you open up to us about something, sometimes that's the best help you can get. All right. Go ahead. Uh, One more thing. The hardest part is always the first step, which is reaching out and acknowledging that you have something going on. If you don't acknowledge it, you can't fix it.